Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are ya? Are the snozberries tasting like snozberries? Oh, foodies, this is a big one. And since, you know, since we're leading up to the 100th episode, I, I figured we had to have a heavy hitter in there. So we're talking Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Joining me is Dave DeSantis. Dave was on the waiting episode. Oh, another, I didn't even think about this, another W movie. Um, not that that's important whatsoever. Guys, this is just where my mind goes sometimes. That's the magic of it all. That's the pure imagination. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreams. You're going to hear us talking a lot about that and just how much... We love Willy Wonka and how we grew up with it, and it's just it's just a magical, feel-good movie. So, really, um, trying to think, is there anything food-wise I want to say? Oh, I uh, had ate at Domo Domo for the first time. That is a Japanese restaurant in Jersey City. Very good. Um, different. It's not like straight, you know, like the straight-up sushi, you know, like regular sushi um, the rolls are, they're small, it's not like, you know, what you're used to as, like, a normal roll, uh, in, like, the size and the presentation, so it's different in that sense, but everything, everything was very tasty. I think we had some kind of, even though it's, you know, it's Japanese, I think they had Korean fried chicken there, that was really good, the fried rice with pork belly, really, really good. So, if you're ever in Jersey City, check out Domo Domo. Uh, my thoughts go out to all the restaurants and the bars. Currently in New Jersey, the governor made it a 10 p.m. curfew, so I know that's just gotta, uh, you know, that's that's hitting hard to a lot of places. Probably, you know, bars more than restaurants, but who, you know, what do I know? So, guys, um, I just, uh, I just wish you the best, and I hope we hope we get through this. Uh, well, on that happy note, let's talk Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Foodies, ugh, just come with me and you'll hear a conversation with Dave DeSantis. Dave, thanks for coming back onto Foodie Films. Glad to have you. 
My pleasure. I was I was excited to uh, get the message, and I've kind of been itching to podcast again. So it was just perfect timing. <laughs> Timing's everything, right? Exactly. Uh, and I mean, I had you on. That's a little. That's a little while ago now. Is during the pandemic. Uh, right we, at the beginning. Yeah, right at the beginning, and we talked waiting, which ended up being uh, more of a cult classic than I even thought like i knew it was like to me it was a silly movie i saw during college i think i even saw it in theaters but it was just one of those late night comedies that you toss on and it's other like food comedies too and like like almost stoner things like with like harold kumar got a white castle it's just like fits in that in that that realm yeah it's quotable and it's just like something you can throw on in the background and uh, yeah, releasing that episode and just posting pictures on Instagram, it got a lot of, you know, just like notice, which was pretty cool. And Dane Cook even shared it in his Instagram story. I know, so that was wild. So shout out to Dane Cook. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but how ha- have, you, have you been? What have you been up to? Um, I've been good, man. I, I've been, I've kind of had to pivot and, and shift my focus a little bit. I was doing a lot of cooking and I, I was really trying to like do a cooking show. Like that's been one thing that I've wanted to do for a while. That would be cool. But yeah, it's really, it's really hard by yourself. Yes. So, I tried and, There's a few, there's a short lived videos that I did that I did a couple of cooking things, but like my kitchen is, it's just like a bump, like kind of a U bump off of like the living room dining area. And so uh, my, so like the cooking, like my back, it was always to the camera and then I'm just, it's, it was just, it was awkward. So that was short <laughs> until I have like a, a kitchen that I have like an Island or something like that. That that's when, right. That's when I feel like I could maybe do some cooking videos. Well, yeah, our, our kitchen, we have not an Island, but like the counter comes out okay. and yeah. like, it's basically a square like behind it. And so it's, it's a perfect setup. But like running audio and running <laughs> camera and getting close ups and trying to remember what I need to talk about and what I want to say yeah. just proved to be very challenging. Oh um, yeah. I forget what some of the things I cooked, but just like trying to get it's almost I mean, I've worked on professional cooking videos and that's you're cooking multiple things and you know, or like, you know, you're cooking the meal multiple times. So right, you, can go and you have get to have one that's yeah. right. And one that's finished one that's going in the oven. Yeah. Like, all that. And so trying to do that by yourself and you know, yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> and as, as much as I like tried to simplify the idea, like it just never ended up. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to add a bunch of graphics and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do that. I'll send you what I did. Like the first one turned out good, but then I wasn't able to put the genie back in the bottle the second time I tried to do it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but like production wise, I've been busy. Uh, business is somewhat booming. Um, it's consistently just doing a lot of creative stuff, which is what that's I good. need to keep keep myself going. Yeah, you know, that's what I, this I kinda... podcast is for me. That's my creative outlet because I mean, even lack thereof work. And then uh, I've been on some fun shoots. I did like a uh, this uh, you know how Taco Bell is like a franchise. So this one person yeah. or these couple of people that own like. I don't know, six or eight taco bells there we did videos 
forum and it was more for their hire like who they were hiring versus versus the product but still it was really internal video kind of thing yeah exactly like this is why it's you're it's fun to be part of our staff like you know right did but you get free taco bell i did and i and i i, I regretted it i'm not a taco <laughs> <laughs> i just and now every time i see a taco bell commercial i'm just like oh god i, I, I don't know because i feel like good Mexican Southwest food is pretty easy to come by. Not that good burgers aren't hard to come by, but I mean, I'm not eating a lot of Burger King or Wendy's or McDonald's or anything. What is like your that. fast food vice? If My you have one, fast food. See, I mean, like in a pinch, in a pinch, I, a slice of pizza. Like, if I want just something really quick. Well, yeah, you're on the East Coast, though, man. Like, yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. or, 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 I mean, with delis, like, I'm just such a, like, I mean, sandwiches are my vice. Again, and, like, East if, Coast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, whether I'm working at the deli that I'm working at or the tons of delis by me, I mean, that's, that's, that's my go to. I mean, I mean, every once in a while, I'm like, ooh, I mean, there's, uh, there's this place. It's actually two. It's very weird. One in Jersey City and one in Hackensack, New Jersey, which is 20 minutes away and also kind of where by where I grew up. And it's called White Mana. And the one in Jersey City has like one N in the mana part. And the one in Hackensack has two Ns or vice versa. Point being, they're not affiliated, but they're both called oh, White, White Mana. Uh, and I actually like the one in Hackensack more, even though the Jersey City one's closer to me. And like, I would love to have like the pride of saying like, yeah, Jersey city is better. <laughs> but, um, but point being, they are, they like the one from Jersey city was shown in whatever 1930s world fair. And it was like the, you know, cooking of the future and it's quick burgers, like, like white castle. Oh, okay. And so even then it's not like I'm going to white castle, but maybe I'll go there. And it's just like those really you know thin white yeah. castle type burgers, but so. it's unique. It's like yeah. unique to, to them and their brand. And yeah, it's a uh, bit fresher, you know, you don't, you know, the yeah. beef isn't frozen, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we don't, we don't, unfortunately, I think I may have talked about this last time, like Southern California is lacking in the deli department. Like mm -hmm. there's not uh, a whole lot of options and the, the places that we do have are just like, all right. Yeah. Like you get a sandwich in San Francisco, you know, where I grew up, that's a different story entirely. Like that's, yeah, that's good stuff. But ooh, uh, I like. I mean, I always, you know, Phil Rosenthal is one of my big like. I follow him and watch, you know, mm -hmm. you know, uh, somebody feed somebody Phil, feed Phil, which yeah. he did a San Francisco episode for this latest season, uh, which oh. was really cool. So definitely check that out if you, if you haven't seen it yet. But then um, I don't think he's done a Los Angeles one, but he's obviously he did. He also has like his YouTube series that he was doing some mini episodes. Yeah. And um and so that he was exploring Los Angeles more. And he has he, I saw a few sandwich places so I'd be curious if you if you'd been to them. So Yeah, there's there's a couple and actually the but the best place down here is a place called Ike's that started in San Francisco. Okay. So like <laughs> it's you know worked its way down and and um he's notorious for like uh feeding a lot of athletes like okay the, like on his instagram there's a lot of pictures of him with like nba players and like football players and stuff like that and like um uh, yeah i don't know he's he's like this i would say he's like the sandwich king like he's, <laughs> at least around here like i mean like they bake all their own bread and just That's like cool. everything yeah. is super fresh you know yeah 
Yeah, I would, you know, I mean, as someone that work, has worked, you know, still work random days, and I was, I got that job when I was 16, so that's even more than, like, half of my life already yeah. of uh, working at a deli. Um, you know, it's definitely, it's better to me, it's better than restaurant hours, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it'd still be a lot of work and you just, you just don't know. But, uh, you know, every once in a while I see like a vacant, uh, building or, you know, like some kind of, uh, yeah, just spot that I'm like, Ooh, this would make a really this would be perfect. This would be perfect. Like there's this one, <sighs> there's this one park, uh, by me. It's like, you know, 15 minute walk away, but it's this corner spot by a park. I mean, very affluent area of jersey city pretty close to like the walking the closed off walking area of downtown and it's a it's a liquor store and a deli i'm like oh man this place like and it's been closed for a long time just like waiting to for something to go in there huh? yeah 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 I'm just always you know well you realize you realize you and i are, are almost the same person because i also worked in a, in a deli um <laughs> Did we talk also, about this? this is, podcast. Yeah, I don't, yeah. We may have touched on it. Maybe, and yeah, then we yeah. also both work in production. So, yeah. I mean, it's too bad you live on the other side of the country because we would totally be kicking <laughs> we, it. We'd just be, be like stepbrothers. Should we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Build a bunk bed. It's, you know, So much more room for activities. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good, man. I'm glad I'm glad you're uh, getting work. It definitely, you know, I've, I've had a handful of gigs, uh, but you can see, you know, some normal, but you see how the industry is changing just like so many you know, much more lot you know with zoom how we're talking right now and just yeah. like those kind of conference calls and people needing you know that kind of technology so it's good it's it's even more i saw it changing from i mean when i graduated in college in 2009 i remember professors that had not all of them had really production experience but it, it seemed like they were like get really good at one thing and then right when I graduated, it was like, if you were doing just like shoots yourself or yeah, if you weren't working on something big, it's just like very one man band. And I see right. it and I see it even becoming more of that because people are just expecting you to have the computer skills too. obviously the audio mm-hmm. equipment, the video equipment, uh, just yeah, anything for like live presentations, which is obviously, as you know, like extra equipment to bring along with you. Yeah, I, I feel like the this whole the last like eight or nine months has uh, kind of been a test of how, how creative can you get? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, and one good thing is like we've we've skipped all of our vacations this year. And so I was able to put that towards a bunch of new gear, oh, that's which good. has been super helpful. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a year ago, I wouldn't have been able to uh, to do some of the stuff that I'm doing now mm-hmm. so, so much on my own, like in not needing a bunch of people or having to rent a bunch of stuff. Like yeah. it's just, it's opened up some doors for sure. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope it gets back to normal just cause I mean, it's, you know, it's nice to work with other people <laughs> and just, yeah, and be, you know, for like sure. that's that, that was one of the biggest things that I enjoyed about production. And then I always do the social com- interaction, yeah, the social interaction, the change of scenery. And so, yeah, just like I'm missing, I'm missing that aspect a lot. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I had a couple of shoots that were just like shooting like at this, this freight trucking place that uh-huh. they wanted a commercial to air during the, uh, 
the cricket championship. Oh, like the world the cricket, cricket championship. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm it, sure that's a really big event, but I'm just like, oh, cricket. <laughs> yeah, it, well, they're they're uh, like an Indian family that owned it. And, yeah, and cricket in India is huge. Oh, so. of course, yeah, it's a you know billion person country. So yeah, but it, the shoot was me with a drone by myself <laughs> in this huge parking lot, and like. I didn't talk to anybody until the end when I was like, all right, guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. We're like hundred feet away, but I know what you mean that, that, uh, the camaraderie is definitely, definitely a thing of the past at, at this point in time, you know? Yeah. Right now we just have to use our imagination. Oh my God. What a perfect oh, segue. <laughs> segue. I want to get to this movie. All right, man. Like this is, yeah, let's do this it. is one I've been looking forward to for a while. This is a movie that when I was first talking with you before we recorded waiting, I think you gave it to me as an, as an option of a movie that you'd want to discuss. I don't know why I picked waiting <laughs> over this movie, but we're also nearing, the, we're nearing the hundredth episode. So, you know, I got to come in with some heavy hitters. Yeah. I think I may have, I may have uh, alluded to let's do waiting because of my restaurant yeah. experience working in Fridays. Yes. I think is what it was, but, but this is a whole other, a whole other thing. And I'm excited. A about whole it. other stratosphere. And that, so this movie is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That I think that's like a 2005 film. Tim Burton, John, starring Creepy Tim Burton, starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> but this is the 1971 film Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, starring the late great Gene Wilder. Man, this movie. Well, you you tell me first about your history with this movie. Why do you love this movie? When did you first see this movie? Um, so I don't remember exactly when, but I do have vivid memories of the old tattered VHS case. And <laughs> this was one of those like 10 or 15 VHS that I like, it was like that, this home alone. I had, uh, the Santa Claus is one of my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, Santa Claus classic. Yeah. Like I yeah. was, this was definitely part of my VHS collection though. I, I definitely remember having it first recorded off of like tv but i i did eventually now i have it on blu-ray i probably had every media form except for like laser disc of it i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> i remember my buddy had a his parents had a laser disc player in the basement when we used to hang out down there and play video games he had a stack and like the one i remember was uh ghost oh we, like he had laser he had a laser disc of ghost and we never watched it, obviously. It wasn't like for two teenage <laughs> boys to, to enjoy. You really uh, robbed yourself of a magical. Your friendship would have grown even more. <laughs> <laughs> Reenact that, that famous scene, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, uh, I, I think all I had was this VHS that I, at this point, I wish I still had. I wish I still had a lot of those, actually. But yeah. um, I mean, you can't even buy a VHS player now for like less than two hundred dollars really wow i should yeah. I, I feel like i have a few at my parents i have one at my place that's how like really the only way i watch star wars now is i'm just like such an old crotchety you know person that i'm like <laughs> i don't i really want to watch it on the you know i have the vhs that was it was like the last time the original cuts were released on any kind of medium. well it's like it's like listening to something on vinyl it's yeah. got a warm like you know and especially Willy Wonka like there's such a warm uh, yeah. like look to the 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 town that 
doesn't have a name but like <laughs> it's just so di- distinct that german um, town that i think is supposed to be in america <laughs> yeah exactly but it's very obviously european yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i i've that was just like on repeat i mean I'd, i feel like i'd watch that movie at least like two or three times a month and it yeah. would just never get old well it's weird it's almost it's it's this movie didn't actually do well at the box office but it ended up getting becoming popular with so like i said this movie came out in 1971 so this is i don't know when vhs players exactly came out but i know the 80s was really the time the king of the vhs even the 90s as well obviously but that's when it had kind of resurgence and a boom because it just did really well on home video so it's kind of it's it's funny we uh both uh, W titles and they beat both cult films that we've discussed and films <laughs> that maybe, you know, waiting you put on in college or whatever. But this was also a movie that while I'm sure I, I was glued to the TV, it was just a good because it's like a sing along, you know, you remember like yeah. the Disney sing along videos. Uh, it's just a good movie to have on the background as well. Anytime it's what? a movie that anytime I saw it, even on TV, you know, like. You got to flip it on. Yeah, you flip it on. Even if you have, I have it on Blu-ray and I should just put it on. But there's just certain movies out there that like, it's like a little bit of laziness, of course. But at the same time, (laughs) you're just like, no, I'm just like so invested and I don't even want to like put the Blu-ray on and get back to this point. I just, I'm in it from here. What do you think caused that, that resurgence, like for this film to be become popular so many years later i think well gene wilder was still having a decent career at, by that oh, point so then it's like oh let's go check out his old stuff yeah, kind of yeah, like because this was at the beginning of his career yeah this i mean before this what you you, you had uh the producers that was like 1967 which really mm-hmm. put him on the map as far as comedy and i mean you know it was a, it was a hit, hit hit mill brooks film and uh and then, but this movie, 1971, so then cut to 1974, you get Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein. Talk about like a... In the same year? In the same year. That is just oh, a crazy wow. year of comedy. Um, and so, yeah, this is kind of, you know, in between those films. So I don't I don't think that he's incredibly popular or, or, or what well-known, you know, in like the... Home, you know home sense like it's not like his name is well known at this at this point but definitely yeah. by the 80s everyone knows the name gene wilder and and then the other part is that then you get to the 80s and you have you know maybe some kids that saw this whether they have kids of their own or they're just like i want to own one of my childhood favorites you know on vhs and it's just this movie has a timeless quality to it and just has this quality that i think you know is multi-generational now i mean if you were a kid when this movie came out you definitely i mean you could have grandkids now or even if you were a parent back then when it came (laughs) out it's a movie that you can enjoy you know there's some kids movies i have this vivid memory of going to see the goofy movie like really wanting to see the goofy movie in theaters that's a great one oh it's a great one but i had a very like i don't know what to call it um i had a moment and it's right around when Paulie Shore gives that, like, it's the Leaning Tower of Chisa. Like, <laughs> I just, it was this movie that I was like, whatever, we, may, my mom was saying maybe we weren't going to be able to go to the movies that day. I remember making, like, a like no, I really want to see it. And then having this moment of gratitude and at the same time 
knowing that my mom most likely isn't enjoying watching this movie and she like <laughs> took me to the movie theaters and i guess maybe i know mean, at that point if she considered me too young to like leave me at the theater by myself just drop me off or whatever but but point, <laughs> point being like this is a movie that i would love to watch you know if and when i have kids someday with them it's just it, right it's just yeah it's it's got this timeless story quality and then even i know the director was going for this timeless vibe yeah well, I, and um, when we had we had kind of touched on on this uh, when we talked about this off air, mm-hmm. uh, but the no cars, right? There was no like yeah. no distinct features that would allude to a certain <laughs> yeah. point in time. Yeah, besides like these, you know, the Wonka vehicles, they re- they're really not showing any cars out in the town. Uh, he wanted to film, so this was filmed in Munich, Germany, and like also right outside of Munich. And he wanted some place that, you know, I mean, I've been to Munich, and obvi- obviously there's been a change in like infrastructure. Yeah. But you go to a place that has just lasted or b- been around that much longer than somewhere in the United States. It, there's history. There's history, and there's and you can find a lot more places that just look the same as they did a couple hundred years ago. And, right. you know, so if he, he, I know he didn't want to film it in like in New York or whatever. Well, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the, the use of practical effects and like, you know, there's a, I mean, there's a couple scenes of, of uh, the tunnel scene specifically, which was some projection and things mm-hmm. like that. But oh, for the most we're getting part, into like psychedelic territory there. It's 1971. Oh, yeah. These people are on something. <laughs> people are experimenting at that point a little bit. Um, yeah, but like there's nothing that feels old about it. No, no, it's got, watching I, it now. It doesn't feel it still doesn't feel like an old film. No, it's got, it, it, and it has this fairy tale quality to it. It's a great cautionary tale. I mean, it falls into the realm of you know wizard of oz alice in wonderland it's you yeah. know, got this i mean it's so well it's you know it's based off of the roll doll book charlie and the chocolate factory which um i know he wasn't too happy with the results of this film he, he felt it veered a little too far away from his book i'm not sure exactly in what territories but at the same time people have shown him visiting set and especially in the in the magical chocolate room a big smile on his face so i think he was enjoying some well, things who wouldn't but, have yeah. well yeah who wouldn't exactly. have a big smile on their uh, face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at that point a di- yeah well, diabetic a di- i'm sorry uh, oh, probably that that a little blow man uh, <laughs> not that i'm diabetic but uh no. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, I know if I saw any like form of something that I created being recreated in a way, like I always wonder about like, you know, movies that are based on real people and they actually have like the person that it's based on on set while they're shooting and whatnot. Like, oh, that's that's got, that's got to be a weird experience. Yeah. You know, you know, a film I just recently, um, rewatched was, spotlight you ever see it the one oh, about, yeah yeah, yeah. the, what the a, priests and whatnot. yeah what a tremendous cast i forgot like just how many amazing michael keaton rachel yeah. mcadams uh, i saw that at the uh telluride film festival oh cool and uh i have a picture i have a picture with rachel mcadams oh awesome at the at the screening i think she tried to grab my butt i 
I've never seen it, but I don't blame her. <laughs> uh, no, I, Dave, I stop it. We're on Zoom. We're not. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I always joke around that I think she liked me. But uh, yeah, no, that's a great movie. And, and uh, we did an Airbnb experience, like a tour, uh-huh. like a virtual tour, a Boston crime tour. Oh. And at the end of it, he like talked about a couple of movies and he said that was one of the best like representations of like boston on a film oh boston like, there's so many boston films that came out in like you know between the departed and uh <laughs> gone baby gone and the town yeah he he said that uh <laughs> he said that nobody ever or my mom also said because she grew up in massachusetts but she said that it, nobody ever gets the accent right <laughs> yeah and that, well, the reason i brought up that film is because i was reading just i was just reading articles and some trivia on it after watching it and the uh character that michael keaton plays and and mark ruffalo as well but specifically michael keaton uh the real life person said this he he stole my life like he's just like in a good way wow. like he's just like yeah. he he's like i don't understand how he got all of those nuances of mine you know things that just a right. perfect representation yeah perfect representation stuff like that so yeah well, there's that's moments the thing like if- that if you know Willy Wonka is based on a book, like there's so much room for interpretation. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a, it's a children's book, and we'll we'll be covering uh, on Foodie Films another Roald Dahl book adaptation to a film soon. But th- that's what that's going to happen in general with any novelization to film. I mean, you're automatically dealing with a you know a visual world in film, and yes, this is a children's book, so there's pictures, but you're just expanding that world. I I I, I don't recall if I ever read the book as a child or had it read to me. Um, I feel like I've seen some illustrations, but it's you know it's a kid's book. I can't imagine how many pages it is. Can't be a yeah. whole, you know can't be a whole lot. So if you're gonna I'm, yeah I'm if gonna, you're gonna expand that into I want to uh, check if you can <laughs> go ahead yeah, please go ahead uh, if you're gonna expand <laughs> that into a feature film. You you've got a lot of work on your hands, and I, and there's been plenty of books that have been you know kids books that have been expanded into feature films that didn't necessarily do well because it takes a lot of imagination. That's I mean that's what this movie is also. That's one of its biggest themes is to keep this childlike quality, this childlike innocence to yourself and just using your imagination and Willy Wonka definitely is it's, you know, it's got also that never, never land vibe to it. Oh, totally. That I, I don't want to grow up. Yeah. Kind of, kind of feeling. Um, I was trying to see how many pages, but it's not obvious. Okay. Um, I feel like it may be more than, um, than just like a, a small children's book because okay. it's a pretty like lengthy story but oh you um, know what that would make a bit more sense because also then like madeline is actual like books for kids to read so it might be like a 60 pager or something like that yeah yeah and i'm on this on this wikipedia page there's a whole thing of unused chapters so oh. i guess there's there's more to the story um interesting all right so hey i mean I don't know. It's, oh, they, it's the, yeah. the reason that this movie was even made, uh, I found this out on just, you know, really deep diving it for this episode. It's reading IMDb trivia. I rewatched uh, most of the, it wasn't like a making of, but it was whatever anniversary I have on Blu-ray. It's actually, I think even they just put the DVD one even on Blu-ray eventually. So um, 
I think it's from the early 2000s point being, and it's just an interview with most of the cast and the filmmakers. I found out that this movie was made because of Quaker Oats. So the filmmaker, Mel Stewart, that's the director, and then there's a producer. And actually Mel Stewart was even brought this material by his... I forget she was, you know, his young daughter at the time and said, dad, dad, you should make this into a film. And so then he read it and he brought it to his producer buddy. And then they knew that Quaker Oats was coming out with a candy bar. And so they presented (laughs) it to Quaker Oats and they're like, great, we'll name it the Wonka bar. And so then that's even that's why they changed it to Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory so the name was that more prominent so there would be that great like you know synergy of releasing the movie and releasing this candy bar right right that's pretty crazy and then the candy bar like didn't do well it was like melting on the shelves (laughs) i was gonna say i wonder if like there's still like uh, like you know you can get like an old soda can like an old like surge remember surge from the 90s (laughs) like i wonder if like anyone like kept a quaker oats wonka Wonka bar. bar probably or if, if it was preserved, <laughs> preserved yeah probably yeah. have to freeze it yeah exactly i was gonna say cryogenically yeah. frozen now there's like wonka <laughs> candy that i think nestle makes it which because after quaker oats i think they sold it to a smaller candy company and then this whatever candy company they sold it to was then you know consumed by the larger corporation that of nestle right uh because you know there's which like, is what happens yeah which is what happens in pretty much every <laughs> industry <laughs> uh but yeah like there's definitely wonka candy out there but it always seems to be more on the on the like fruitier spectrum of candy not just i, I just want to wonka like there's the you know the big I, chocolate bars and then there's those round kind of things the first candy charlie has oh yeah like it's is it like a marshmallow it looks yeah kind of something yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, I, I I forgot about that. That to me, like, I'm a sucker for like s'mores, like marshmallow, graham cracker, oh, yeah, chocolate, yeah. like anything of that nature is is has got me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I remember seeing that and like that just th- that image stuck in my head for sure. Yeah, like I've never been able to find that something as delicious as that. It's like a moon pie or something. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of what it, what it reminded me of. Yeah, similar to that. What. Uh, the candy he yeah moon pie is not as good though <laughs> I, I don't know um yeah i i i think that uh i remember being a kid and seeing like an actual wonka bar mm-hmm. like at the store in the impulse aisle uh or the impulse buy section oh when you're yeah checking out. Exactly. they know exactly what they're doing any parents uh, i hated it's... going to the supermarket with my mom when i was younger <laughs> and then it's just like but if you knew like to hold out and then yeah, you could get some candy at the end. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, it's scientific in the way that they do it. Um, but seeing that in like real life and then thinking like, wait, so is Willy Wonka real? Is like, cause being yeah. young, you don't, you don't yes, know the difference is. between like the, he might be, who knows? <laughs> Maybe there really is a Willy Wonka making all this delicious candy well when um but, you know gene wilder sadly passed away in 2016 and the actor peter ostrom who plays charlie one and done he auditioned for this film had a great experience but didn't want to become an actor so now he's i believe he's uh, uh still a veterinarian so he's doing some good deeds out there and and i read quite, that, quite the 180 yes exactly <laughs> um you know he's taking care of all the oh god what are those 
crazy animals called the Wang Doodles and the Vermicious Canids. <laughs> He's taking care of all the Lumpa Land uh, animals. But uh, he changed on his Facebook uh, when Gene passed away. You know, it said veterinarian father, and he says, and now proud owner of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. I'm like, oh, oh that's, that's cool. like a nice little shout out. Like, I remember when, yeah, um, an homage. When uh, Pete, um, no, not Pete, uh, Pat, I don't want to mispronounce his last name, Karate Kid. Morita, right? Um, Is that the, the gentleman that plays Mr. Miyagi? I think Pat Morita. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I I'll, don't want to dishonor him, but yes. But, uh, but I know that when he passed away... You're right. Yeah, when he... when he, when he he uh, I, Sometimes I want to say Moriata, but I was like, no, it's Pat Morita. I know that when he passed away, Ralph Macchio did a little just like saying like oh to my sensei i'm like oh that's like so you know because like he was i don't he wasn't nearly ralph macchio wasn't nearly as young as he's supposed to be like in the film or whatever but these are just you know they were mentors in an acting sense and like i'm sure just in a life coach and just even became close with these with these kids and so it's just really nice when you see that that translate or you know kept going decades later well yeah you build a relationship i mean you're working generally these movies are shot over the course of like three months or something yeah, so yeah. you know you're building a relationship with with the your co-workers essentially as you would in any job i mean i, w- I would assume the kids became close in the time that they shot the film oh too, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know i read a funny thing that the actress that played uh violet she really protested um uh, picking her nose because she had a, a crush on Peter Ostrom, you know, the actor that played Charlie. Oh, yeah. So she didn't want to <laughs> pick her nose on camera in front of him or whatever. Uh, and what, did she, what did she say when when that's happened? It's like, oh, that's a really bad habit. And he's like, I know some worse ones. Like, <laughs> That's, a, you know, like, let's... I mean, this this movie has such great story beats. I mean, everyone should know the story, but just a brief synopsis. It's about... Charlie Bucket and he he and his family are not that well off and all of a sudden there's this world uh like competition con- competition uh, contest contest and five there's going to be five golden tickets in any kind of Wonka bar this world renowned chocolate factory that's shrouded in mystery and you know nobody ever goes in and nobody ever comes out and so it's just this big deal and you're gonna get it a closed lifetime. down at one point yeah it closed down at one point and then reopened yeah. and no one's been seen going in or out since and yeah. you're gonna get a life lifetime supply of candy you're gonna find out the mysteries you're gonna get to go on a tour led by Willy Wonka himself so this is just a big deal in the world some of my favorite there's so much comedy in this movie some of my favorite comedic moments happen in when they're showing worldwide stuff like uh the the different news anchors saying everything like we don't you know <laughs> like all five tickets have been found and while there's not much left to live for just like being really drab <laughs> or there's a really good uh like detective talking about uh telling a woman that her husband has been kidnapped and the guy wants all of her Wonka bars and she like hesitates. He's like, did you hear me? He wants your Wonka bars. He's like, give, give me a minute or the, or the therapist <laughs> talking to his patient and the patient saying, and the archangel told me where to find the golden ticket. And he's like, tell me right now. Like, it's just, <laughs> that's right. So many Wait, wasn't great there, moments like that. Wasn't there like, uh, 
a fake one too yeah there's a guy guy, so it's all i love it it's all children you've got augustus gloop and then i think the next one is uh veruca salt and then violet beauregard mike tv and then there's this so all kids which the uh it's it's funny and it's not me being trying to be pc or anything like that but the lack of just even country diversity not 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 even not even trying to say ethnicity but just like three of them are from the states one from england and one from germany (laughs) and then you have then the fifth one is this guy from paraguay (laughs) oh that's right that's right and then you have you know uh guy from you know news reporter from paraguay is saying you know this is the man and i loved also seeing the old timey news reports because what having uh watched a lot of news uh recently with the election and just yeah everything junking on cnn pointing around and dictating everything just like to screens these, and yeah, digital these people and, holding yeah. up tangible photos of people it's, it's pretty it's pretty <laughs> funny but uh yeah so once those they you know the five five winners are found and charlie's upset and then he finds uh, a coin and right at the same time he hears uh from the newsstand that he delivers papers for that oh the the fifth one was fake the fifth one is fake and he opens up this chocolate bar he just bought and he's got the golden ticket which that's another image that was just burned in my brain like that scene gives me like so much joy like and like he's opening it and i am a little pissed that he dropped the chocolate bar (laughs) <laughs> that always bothered me as a, as a chubby kid or a chubby adult still uh that 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 that, that bothered me i was just like dude still like his, his mrs bucket was excited they're having cabbage like water stew and when he brought home the loaf she's like we'll have a real meal now i'm like oh my god are these like the, the what are they the crotchets and like uh, in, uh god whatever what christmas christmas carol uh, there we go <laughs> that's right i'm not i'm not i'm not firing on all cylinders either uh well yeah and and you know the family is so uh you know in such a struggle and the grandparents are in bed like the least he could have done was brought the chocolate home yeah exactly some dessert to go along with that cabbage soup and bread yeah (laughs) (laughs) but right away it's like that joy and then the anxiety i'm watching it and i was like getting goosebumps i mean forget like a the pandemic world we're living in where people like crowding around is like giving me like a little bit of like PTSD or whatever. But just in that moment for Charlie, they're like surrounding him. It was like night of the living dead. And (laughs) just the anxiety I had. And then the newspaper run Charlie run home as fast as you can. It's like, Oh my God. Well, well, you know that, that feeling that you, that you got from that scene is exactly what they were going for. That's like, that is, that's great storytelling and being able to invoke that emotion mm-hmm. is like we were we were watching something uh katie and i were, were watching something last week oh we we're watching uh this is us and um there was a scene where uh like between randall and his brother um kevin and they like kind of have a falling out and we really liked randall at the beginning and she's like i'm not sure if i like him anymore and i'm like <laughs> that's good writing yeah you know like they did exactly to you what they wanted you to do with that chocolate bar it's the i mean this movie dare i say is like i mean pretty pretty perfect like near perfect you know yeah i would agree it's just i i it's got such a great pace to it i mean 
the character introductions alone, the, the humor, the mystery. Um, I mean, we don't get Willy Wonka at least like a half hour into the movie. And that reveal, that's one of, that's something that I, I remember learning about a while ago, but Gene Wilder, the director loved Gene Wilder. He walked into the room and before he even spoke or, you know, read a line for the, from this screenplay, um, he, he like Mel Stewart was like, this is our Willy Wonka. And the producer was very unhappy because they didn't even talk. Like he ran after him in the hallway when he was leaving. And he's just like, I don't care what you've got on your schedule. You are a Willy Wonka. And the producer's like, we need to talk. Like they put all like the balls, like totally into his court, you know, financial, like setting it up for, him yeah, to, yeah. for his contract. But, um, but Gene Wilder said he would not accept the role or he would, I should say he would only accept the role if they allowed him to do that, you know, the, what would that be? Like a somersault forward when he yeah. f- pretends to fall. And that was Gene Wilder's idea. Cause as for him as an actor, which I just always love hearing an actor's decision like this, he wanted to have that relationship with the audience, with the characters that you're never sure what's going on because from that moment you can't exactly trust him because he's walking right. out even the the actress that played uh Baruka she didn't know that Jean she thought he was hurt and he was just walking out that way and so she experienced that you know so that first. was a real a that, genuine yeah reaction that was a genuine well, reaction yeah so is that scene then just is that one take at least I mean her, the shot or on just her the, maybe, maybe they, or maybe on yeah. the kids i feel like they probably for the wonderment of kids a lot they must have shot their singles a lot first yeah i would imagine because even yeah. I, I know them entering the the main part of the chocolate factory the first time the kids saw that room i can't imagine this but the first time they saw that room is the shot we see so any of their yeah. how mesmerized they are that is their genuine reactions because i can't i mean that's gotta be like i was a kid that loved using my imagination growing up between legos mm-hmm. and just you know i still do <laughs> yeah <laughs> i yeah exactly one of the top five reason that i i would want to have a kid someday so i am not looked weird for playing with legos again uh, <laughs> but, that's fair but yeah but... I, i'd have to imagine there is definitely some specific decisions like that to show the wonderment of it all and just you know just the kids joy and everything like that well yeah and i i know they they do that i think they did that in the goonies also that would make sense yeah when they see sloth that's the first time oh Uh, boy that would have if i was an actor in that movie that would have scared me i would have pooped out a baby ruth Yeah, there's there. I mean, they've done they did that in it with the kids and and Pennywise, oh, and the, new, the new one. Jesus Christ, that's um, yeah. Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, ter- terrifying. That is, yeah. ugh, ugh, oh god, I was scared <laughs> watching that as a 32 year old. Are you are you anti clown? Um, no, I wasn't. I wasn't a kid that was like a scary clown, but that's like a you know a serial killer clown that's a monster clown so like yeah he's even when before he like expands his jaw and sharp teeth he's just very demonic looking so um well and and that's another example of like artist interpretation of 
an author's work. Oh yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, Stephen, I mean, so many things. I mean, Stephen King, uh, famously really, uh, loathed Stanley Kubrick's, uh, interpretation. Interpretation. Of, uh, yeah. It's, it's a little hokey when you, when you look back on it, but like that, that's, what's interesting is like that, it has like a look it's the 80s it's like ah this is old you look at Willy Wonka it's it's perfect like it stands alone in its own universe its own world yeah well and again I think it helps that it has this fairy tale-esque vibe to it oh totally so already that uh I mean while 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 as children as you were saying you quit when seeing wonka bars you're like wait is this is this real like imagine like can i go to a <laughs> willy yeah, wonka's chocolate factory it's a real contest yeah can i don't I, know yeah I, I, I don't know I, i'm sure most chocolate factories candy factories are probably disappointing uh i've been on some <laughs> cool brewery tours uh between the guinness factory and the, one of the coolest amsterdam they sh- um reminded me almost of like Jurassic Park when they're when the three adults are going on the tour and seeing where the velociraptors are and the thing is spinning in in the Heineken factory they took you into a room and you held onto a bar and it took you through the process of as if you were I guess in a like a keg being turned into beer like being cooled and misted then heated it was kind of (laughs) it was kind of crazy it was really 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 cool experience um I mean I I wonder if no go ahead I, I wonder if there's some some Willy Wonka inspiration there of like maybe why not? You know, the, the different rooms, m- multiple rooms doing multiple things that, you know, uh, there, there's so many facets of the factory. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it's influenced a lot more than we even realize, you know, that's I mean, that's always you. I mean, life in general, I'm going to get really deep right now. Life in general right. is an experience. But yeah, no, if you're creating like <laughs> if you're creating an environment that you want people to come in and socialize and make memories. Yeah, mm-hmm. make make it as much of an experience and like immersive as possible. And that's yeah. for sure. While Willy Wonka isn't necessarily he's not doing that for that reason that is just his imagination like besides that you know you think about that room that main chocolate room and mm-hmm. uh, how it's this candy landscape and the chocolate river and the boat like that's not really everything's edible yeah everything's edible i, I think i read like actually like 60 percent of the stuff in that room was edible like the, the those giant giant lollipops were real giant lollipops that's pretty crazy well, that's awesome um i I uh I when I would go to Disneyland I would get the biggest lollipop oh yeah that you could get um but not nearly as big as Willy Wonka's lollipop that would be that that's probably the closest thing to like an everlasting gobstopper <laughs> or 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 a jawbreaker yeah, yes because because you lose all your teeth and <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's like, when it ends yeah there's a couple of <laughs> couple of things in this movie that i'm like this just financially just doesn't make sense <laughs> everlasting gobstopper the candy man from the candy store throwing candy at the kids uh the giant <laughs> chocolate bar that shrunk down during mike tv's part uh just... well that one though <laughs> if you think about it like you could shrink all of your product down so you could actually like triple or quadruple your products but you have to make more initially, right? If, it's, if you're making a giant bar just to shrink it down. 
Yeah, that's true. I didn't think it all the way through. <laughs> and that's you know why what? you'll never run a candy factory. I hate <laughs> I to break say, it to you, Dave. That's why I never got the job at, at, at the factory. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stick to what I'm good at. Math is not is not one of those things. <laughs> so, so with this movie, with this, you know, these kids are going on, on this journey. And it, it, it is reminiscent of Wizard of Oz because they're... I mean, we, we meet all the characters, so it's not like Charlie's meeting, you know, characters along the way, but we, we're mm-hmm. kind of getting a reverse where the each kid is meeting their, uh, lack of a better word, demise. I don't think that they were... Their act, fate. You know, yeah, their fate. Yeah, meeting yeah, their, their fate. <laughs> ah, that sounds bad, too. <laughs> <laughs> Willy Wonka kills uh... children, and the Oompa Loompas <laughs> eat them. Uh, <laughs> they, they, have you ever seen, I think, like, there's been some recut versions of the of oh to make it like a film. horror trailer yeah, yeah yeah those are sometimes those those work i've seen that for other movies too sometimes it doesn't but there are some moments that definitely could lead you in that direction yeah. and the kids disappearing and sort of not knowing what happens to them is kind of one of those things a little bit yeah with so i mean we first lose augustus which by the way my middle name is august so that was rough growing up with a similarity <laughs> Uh, being yeah the chubby chubby part german boy that i am uh if you grew up in the 70s before the movie was popular you would have been totally fine yeah but now also with being kyle and south park coming out when i was in like fourth grade that that kind oh of that's rough yeah um <laughs> augustus meets his fate via his um you know like i think it has kind of that uh sin vibe to it right like the uh yeah. gl- gluttony and he's, right. I mean, just, I'm, I'm hungry. Take it easy, Augustus. And just like <laughs> his dad eating the microphone is one of my favorite moments in the whole movie uh, when they're interviewing him at the table. But he's just reaching into that chocolate river and falls in and then goes up the pipe. And what the mom is like, oh, he's going to turn into marshmallows. He's like, that's impossible. This pipe doesn't lead to the marshmallow. You know, like, take her to the fudge room. <laughs> And so Augustus meets his fate that way. And then who's next? It's, oh, it's uh, Violet. You're turning Violet. Violet. Yeah. The, uh, the small, the small meal. The small, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Her whole thing is she never stops chewing gum except for when she's asleep and eating dinner. But then that new gum is a three course meal of what? Tomato soup, uh, roast beef and baked potato and then blueberry pie. Yeah. Which ultimately is the, <laughs> the thing that brought her down I, the sweetest thing brought her down yeah i haven't written down what is the what does he say uh I just i mean gene wilder is just such you know his his delivery of lines it's so it's so great because you know in comedy you either have like the wacky character or the straight man i feel like he can play both and yeah. so his dry delivery of lines like it happens every time they all become blueberries uh, it's just <laughs> it's just so you, good how much how much of the film do you think was improvised on his part i think a lot on his part because another thing i read was uh cut to the one of you know the last scenes when the the famous you loser good day um he was going to tell peter because by the end you know when it's just the two of them like they're still like or you know and grandpa joe's there but yeah. um they've really built a good relationship um uh gene wilder and peter ostrom and so he gene wilder was thinking of telling peter 
listen, like, I don't want to scare you. And he's like, and then he said in an interview that he didn't want to take away that acting experience from Mm -hmm. him. And again, getting that, that reaction, I guess, for the filmmakers as well. So very much. Yeah. Like I, I think he was even the, the tunnel scene, just how unhinged he becomes. And some of the actors were like, what's going on here? I I think they kind of gave him some, some freedom in that sense of how he was, how he was going to deliver certain lines. I don't know if lines were improvised, I think some really funny ones, but I think it's more how he said the lines. Right. Yeah. Cause just reading the script, like, you know, the scene, but you don't know the inflection. You don't know like how things are going to be said. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, God, that's gotta be the funnest thing as an actor is to be able to, to flex that, uh, oh, yeah. that creativity. And especially in a film like this, where there's just so many facets, there's so many different elements that really kind of, uh, give you that opportunity to go mad and then be angry and then be happy and ch- childlike wonder. And like, there's just like, which I think it's is all across the board. Perfect. In the, like almost a meta way, even again with this film and just using your imagination. Yeah. And you know, cre- your imagination and creating this character. This, yeah. This tr- truly like shrouded in mystery character. Um, even when it's over like you still don't feel like you kind of like you really know who Willy Wonka was like yeah <laughs> like there's no they're not that like I mean he's not really the f- the focus of the story as much as uh as Charlie Charlie yeah yeah but like there's no there's no like oh well this is why he's that way yeah, we don't really learn much about him. All we know is that he has a chocolate factory. He cl- he ha- was having this bitter rival with this other chocolatier, can- you know, candy maker Slugworth. And right. we never even meet the real one because that guy ends up being, uh, you know, a he's a worker he's for yeah for Willy for Willy Wonka. And he looks like a Slugworth. He though. does, yeah. <laughs> he looks one well, they pull a very and, easy cliche thing which they give him a scar which i know is kind of like a taboo thing to do these days because people think that that's a, just an easy an, identifier, yeah, an easy of, a identifier of a villain and just because you have a scar doesn't mean you're a villain and that kind of stuff right yeah <laughs> that the cancel culture of oh you can't have scars anymore yeah <laughs> what was i was listening to i was listening to a funny uh episode of uh conan o'brien needs a friend and he was for some reason the topic of avengers came up and like avengers endgame and uh the use of portals and he's like that's just like an easy out he's like i'm taking a stance i'm i'm you know against portals (laughs) in movies he's like that's just that's just too easy (laughs) that's funny i they did that in uh in the good place i started i watched uh like oh, the really? first two seasons of the good place and yeah there's there's some portal action in there oh yeah there um, is yeah but but yeah it's to um I, to kind of go back to the the slugworth situation mm-hmm. um there's the the theory that you you mentioned to me that the uh it it was all a setup like wonka knew yeah i i i had this idea this theory that because Slugworth always, he's always there, right? When the kids find right. the tickets. So this is, again, this worldwide contest. And yes, I mean, besides 
what th- at least three of the kids augustus violet and mike tv it's while they're being interviewed so they're obviously there's a little bit of you know the tv crew showing up so it gives them a little time to get there but veruca that's in her dad's uh factory his nuts you know like i, I love when yeah. uh mr beauregard says like oh you know what line of work in he goes nuts uh, but like Slugworth is there and all these parents are just totally aloof and not paying attention to this older creepy guy whispering nothings into into their kids ears but then uh, yeah. but Charlie he runs into him in that dark alley so he's like oh he's right there so and since, I wonder if and since he ends up being an employee of Willy Wonka that just makes me think like Willy Wonka like this this contest is rigged but then that makes me if I'm gonna go with that theory I'm like, he's going through all this hard work to rig it for these kids. He's doing his research. Is it really just for Charlie and the other kids are just there? Like, maybe hopefuls, maybe they'll end up being better kids than he's seeing them be. But they all end up, you know, having, you know, having their flaws and whether they're going to steal the everlasting gobstopper or just tampering something in the factory. Right. Well, maybe, I mean, to go, to go back to what you said about how, uh, um geographically like where everybody won yeah maybe it happened that way because it was easier for slugworth (laughs) to get around around. (laughs) yeah to each of those places so they were actually closer together than than we think yeah yeah which would mean the factory probably was closer to germany like geographic like where would it actually be because it's so nondescript yeah i don't know where it's actually supposed to be but that's yeah, yeah that's true but, but i think that's part of it yeah that's what that was the intention so this this was an idea or this you know this theory i i feel like i've had it before but really you know watching it for this episode um it came up again in my mind and then while deep diving i found that the director wanted to reveal pretty much that that this thing was rigged that he found out about charlie which again is kind of weird that he's like finds like one kid in the whole entire world and is like put all yeah. put all of his eggs in one basket and uh and he ended up you know charlie ended up being a good enough kid to receive the the factory in the end but um they decided i guess whether the director decided not to or obviously with his producing and writing team decided not to include that but i feel like it still kind of hovers over this story that there is well, the you know the grandpa joe theory of maybe he possibly grandpa joe worked at the factory yeah there's also there's not a whole for all these characters uh, there while their introductions are good and they're interesting characters they don't have a whole lot of backstory and so right. yeah maybe grandpa joe worked at the factory i mean that's the the four grandparents i mean grandpa joe grandpa uh, grandma josephina uh grandpa george and grandma Georgina that's just weird right there of the whole similar names uh you know that's like good good fellas they're all the guys are named Paul (laughs) the girls are named Marie or Maria (laughs) yeah I've I've got a bunch of Williams in my family all Bills and everything uh there's like Billy on the west coast Bill in the navy uh (laughs) but this is a moment that I'm like it kind of makes me think having at least uh not remembering having uh, you know read read the book that it has that childlike story element to it like oh this is a funny visual and you know a, a quirkiness to a story all four grandparents are sharing like one big 
bed, you know, sleeping like toe to toe or whatever. But, uh, you know, it makes as as watching it as an adult. I mean, I remember thinking it as a kid too, but like, why are these grandparents, especially grandpa Joe, that all of a sudden once Charlie chooses him, which as a self admitting mama's boy, I'm like, Charlie, you didn't even offer it to your mom. She's, (laughs) she's singing cheer up Charlie. She's doing all that laundry and you won't even offer her who is working her ass off to come to you, you know, come with you uh, to the factory. And then grandpa Joe has a little trouble, but then does a fucking dance number. And then, yeah, at one point you're offering to pay for his tobacco. And he's like, no, I'll quit my you know pipe a day or whatever. It's just like, it's a little weird. <laughs> it, it is. It is strange. And that's where the suspended disbelief kind of comes into play. Yeah. But if you think about it on like a, like a somewhat of a realistic level, it, maybe the mom is in on it too and ever and they're all in on it mm. knowing that charlie is going to end up being the sole proprietor of this chocolate factory <laughs> um yeah maybe i don't know they could go a number of ways grandpa joe maybe he actually was healed like a few weeks before and wonka like paid for his hospital bills <laughs> And so maybe it's I, just I about know, economics just... and healthcare. It's just all po- political <laughs> platforms. Willy Wonka That's the 2024. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could go a number of ways, but, but then, yeah. I, I there I think there's some there's something to be said for uh Willy Wonka uh you know manufacturing this whole scheme. Yeah. And Grandpa Joe being in on it because otherwise because Grandpa Joe is the one who takes the fizzy lifting drink. Yeah, he's even he's gets... the one that like all the other kids, like we were saying, Augustus tasting the chocolate water, Violet the the gum that hasn't gone through all of its trials, Veruca wanting the golden egg, and she's I love the whole good egg bad egg thing, and then Mike TV being right. obsessed with technology and getting on TV himself and you know becoming a miniaturized version of himself. But Charlie, Charlie's just so pure of heart. Like it's Grandpa Joe who kind of betrays him in that moment and says, Oh, let's like, let's take a sip while they're not looking. But did he betray him? If he, if it was all part of the plan, because he had to make it seem like the other kids did something wrong. So he, he has to as well. Interesting. I don't know. This is all just off off the top of my head. You got my gears turning now. I'm like, I wonder if I want to like look this up later and see if anyone else has, has gone down the rabbit hole and, you know, theorized conspiracy films, JFK and Willy Wonka. (laughs) (laughs) Manchurian candidate and Willy Wonka. It's all connected. If Oliver Stone remade Willy Wonka instead of Tim Burton. (laughs) Oh, that's a sketch right there. (laughs) Oh, um, Tell me, just tell me some of your favorite moments from the movie. I mean, you know, we've discussed a bunch already, but any, any, anything we haven't said so far? Um, we haven't talked schnozberries. I oh mean, that's, yeah. The schnozberries. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just the whole, it's in the beginning before they enter the actual like chocolate river room Mm. but the hallway gets smaller and smaller yes oh i love that because what he says um he says in the beginning little surprises around every corner but nothing dangerous and that right there going with gene wilder making that decision of the tumble and then lines like Mm -hmm. that the contract that's getting ever so small and the shrinking hallway 
Uh, yeah. I mean, just the, the Oompa... Have we said, like, Oompa Loompas and the way they come oh, out? Yeah. And, Jesus, yeah. we were talking Willy Wonka and we haven't even brought up <laughs> Oompa Loompas. I mean, they come out and they sing songs and they're, like, definitely... Uh, and this is me obviously commenting on like little people, but it's just like, it's kind of, they, they fall into the background, but then they have these, what, four moments of song where they sing about these kids and they're, I don't like the looks of this. You know, it's just like, (laughs) what do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Yeah. Eating as much as an elephant Which isn't right. Oompa Loompas are body shaming, and I don't support that. A different culture in Loompa Land, man. Exactly. And then just even like, I mean, you know, so bright orange, the green hair, whatever, but those, the pants, the way they come out, the hips and everything like that. No wonder they're getting eaten by all those uh, crazy (laughs) animals. They can't run away. It's just like they have... They waddle. They waddle too much. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, as if being, you know, small isn't, like, challenging in its own right, then you got to give them these crazy hips. Yeah. Was that in the book, I wonder, or was that... I don't know, because then I think... I don't know if I've ever watched the Tim Burton one in full. I know I didn't see it in theaters. It probably was a movie. Uh, you know, when I don't see something in theaters, it tends to be that like kind of, when when i then you know when uh like something like hbo you know picks it up and becomes the saturday night movie and then is on the channel for a while or whatever right um but i don't think i've ever watched it start to finish but i remember in that it's this uh actor that they just they duplicate yeah duplicated and, yeah. and just made him little i think he's i think he's um regular size in real life well and, the, and that's and that's where like just I feel like the original is so much better just in the set in the, in terms of like practical effects. Yeah. Like those were all real people, you know, like, I mean like wizard of Oz, like the, you know, the munchkins, I think like the last munchkin actually passed away last year, like the very last one. But um, yeah, like those things are, are there's something so much more real about, uh, just seeing like actual people and cho- real 150,000 gallons of water and chocolate. Yeah. And cream. That's it. It, <laughs> it wasn't a big budget for the movie. I mean, you know, it was being funded by Quaker Oats. Uh, and, <laughs> and it shows like there is a little bit of like kind of still like independent vibe to it or just, or just like lower budget, but in, I don't know, in the best ways, like, again, you have to like, I feel like these filmmakers had to use their imagination and there was just a lot of practical effects. I mean, what the only thing, the, the, the tunnel scene, just like with the weirdness on the walls and then, Oh, and then I guess, uh, I, you know, the, um, Mike TV, they had to put him in front of like a blue screen for when he was like little. But then yeah. even when she picks him up, that's just a small figurine that she's like putting into her purse. And oh, yeah. just as far as my favorite moments, again, it just it comes down to the comedy in this film. I think about in that scene in particular when she puts him in the purse and Willy Wonka takes it and he's just kind of swaying it back and forth. <laughs> you just know that a little Mike TV is in there. And then I wrote it down. What does he say? He says to the one Oompa Loompa or just every every time a kid is doing something first, even with Augustus, he's like, "Stop! Don't! Police! Murder!" Yeah. And then like with my TV, he's like, "Stop! Don't! Come back!" And uh, each kid, you know, there's hope that obviously they're not gonna meet their demise. So with my TV, it's just like, "Bring them to the taffy room," and you know, young kids have Let's a lot of yeah elasticity to them. <laughs> and then 
this Oompa Loompa kind of like you know like says something and G- and Willy Wonka bends down and he just goes to him and says, "No, I won't hold you responsible." <laughs> it's just moments like that that just make me happier. Like every time they go into a new room, he's saying something in like a different language. I think he speaks in German and French and Italian. He's just he's a troll. Willy Wonka is a troll, and he's just like mind fucking people. It's amazing. Well. He- yeah, and and the the comedy from not hearing something is funnier than actually hearing like whatever the Oompa Loompa said oh, to him. Yeah. Like it's the yeah, it's those choices that like you know, like hearing something off camera can be funnier than actually seeing what's happening sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, being able to that's where I think a lot of that stuff was was just like off the cuff from just walking into a room and just you know just starting to speak German. <laughs> and doesn't doesn't Augustus's dad say is he speaking German now or something like that? Oh, I think he or, even like acknowledges it. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, Veruca or Violet's dad, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so something like that. that, or just yeah, his response when I, I forget what scene it is. I mean, it's towards the end, um, and he says like, "If the good Lord intended us to walk, he wouldn't have invented roller skates." <laughs> <laughs> or when he's turning i mean when he's uh i think it's in the invention room and he's throws a clock into the water and says something along the lines of like time is the essence or or throws the boots in oh this needed a kick or throws the towel in uh, like oh it's too cold and it's just yeah that wonderment of it all is just f- fantastic and th- those are the moments that i whether they're in the book or not gene wilder just sells it yeah, he he brings it to life, whether brings it was his it decision or, or or not. Yeah, yeah. I know Johnny um, Depp played him. Maybe maybe I, we will eventually discuss that movie on Foodie Films. Maybe I'll have you back on for it. We can do a comparison. But um, I remember seeing the trailer. I remember some scenes from that. You know that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and uh, yeah, it's a it, different. It's just different. But there's only one Willy Wonka, and that's Gene Wilder. My opinion he's he's, there's a lot of things that make this movie i mean the the music i think all the kids like i i um sometimes um you know can be critical of like child actors and they can just take they can take you out of a movie i mean it's not it's not their fault uh they just don't have as much experience yet but i think all the kids in this movie do like a really good job i mean i know they found like the actor that played augustus he didn't speak like a lick of english so that's why he has like only a few lines where they must have just repeated it he knew enough english or just repeated it to him enough times that they got him to say that he a line here a line there yeah yeah he could parrot it back yeah exactly yeah yeah um well, you mentioned the uh, the the tunnel scene, and that was the the one that, as a kid, like freaked me out. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a yeah, hurricane it's blowing? So, oh, it's so jarring. Yeah, you know, let's play that scene just because that's just such a great um, moment in the movie, and then we'll continue talking about it. Hang on, where are we going? I don't know, but I don't like to look at that tunnel up there. Hey, walk! I want off. Round the world and home again. That's the sailor's way. Boy, what a great series this would make. Wonka, 
This is kind of strange. Yes, yeah, strange, Charlie, but it's fun. <laughs> this is terrific. I'm going to get off the boat, Wonka. Uh, I think I'm going to be sick. I can take a job with it if you've too far. Tell our little guy to turn us around, Wonka. Uh, now I am going to be sick. Singing. Which direction we are going? There's no knowing where we're rowing, or which way the river's flowing. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a blowing? <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! One thing I read that's interesting as far as the book is the book. It's not like, you know, the the book isn't a musical, but I guess this is a thing that he reads out loud or is a poem or maybe mm-hmm. it says in the book he starts singing. Sing songy. Yeah, sing songy or whatever. But everything else in the movie, I mean, you've got what? You've got Candyman. I think that song was already existing, which, by the way, Sammy Davis covers. Sammy Davis Jr. covers yeah. uh, Candyman, and I absolutely love it. That, oh, I've got to uh, listen to that. I love the Rat Pack. Oh yeah, awesome. Um, and then uh, cheer up, Charlie. One of the whenever I think I said in the beginning, like I I know I had it taped off of TV, and I feel like cheer up, Charlie. You know when like stuff is taken out of movies, they're just like we don't need cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody uh, made an executive decision exactly. at the TV studio yeah. on that one. You've got I've got a golden ticket, pure imagination, and then Oompa Loompa. Um, you know all those songs written for the movie uh yeah it, I, it actually it was nominated for an oscar fiddler on the roof ended up winning for like original score and song um because i guess i guess you would you would bill fiddler on the roof as a musical yeah and willy wonka i, I wouldn't like i know that there are there is a musical out there of charlie and the chocolate factory and they've even written more songs oh interesting yeah Oh, there's even then I want it now. That's another song that Veruca yeah. sings. Yeah, um, but yeah, but this so this this song this whatever I don't know if there's a specific uh, name to it. Oh, there, there there's no earthly way of knowing. I think is technically the song's title or whatever you want to call it, and <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's in the book. So that's kind of that's kind of interesting. But just the way, yeah, Gene Wilder, you, you just talk about that juxtaposition of bright and happy and all the wonderment and then they go mm-hmm. down you know through the tunnel down the rabbit hole into this creepiness of uh chickens heads being cut off and seeing slugworth and then uh, lizards eating bugs and all this weird stuff and yeah and i think um from what i remember reading the boat was on a track and yeah. it was actually like moving and that was also practical like that was all projection and and ah 
Huh. Yeah, I, from don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what, <laughs> that's what the situation was. And like they, you know, they they try to make it as make everything as real as possible. So that was really like on a track, and all that stuff was just being thrown at him. And I mean, you can see it on Gene Wilder's face. You know, yeah. you can see the um, the projection, and like you know, it's yeah, it's it's a weird moment. It's so different than the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> he gets very, it's funny, like, watching that. I mean, this had to have been the first thing that I saw Gene Wilder in, but not too long after I saw Young Frankenstein, because I think that's pretty harmless comedy versus, let's say, like, Blazing Saddles, where you just need to be a little older to uh, watch yeah. that for language and that kind of stuff. But he gets very <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein when he's like, yes! And, you know, gets yeah. very intense like that. And then I just love the... Like, just, I mean, him throughout the movie with either the musical lock or the whistle, but it just yeah. goes to that and then just cuts to black and then they're right outside the inventing room and Veruca going, I don't want a boat like that, daddy. <laughs> the SS Wonka, Wonkatania, I think it's called. <laughs> yeah, the little, the flute. I had that, uh, I had that as my, my text notification for a while, oh. like a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, those little decisions of like, hey, let's give him a flute and have him like, I wonder if that was in the book or like, you know, what? I, I, at this point, I think I need to read the book. We're going to have to read the book. It will be a foodie films first. Maybe um, maybe I won't do a whole episode for the book, but we can uh, I'll have to have you back on for the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And yeah, we'll we can talk, touch on that. And we'll touch on the book as well. Yeah. It'll be one of those books that I bring on vacation that my wife always says, you're not going to read. <laughs> oh, you're I'm one like, of those people? No. Yeah, I, I'm going to bring a book. And then I like don't even take it out of my suitcase. And yeah. then she tells me when we get home, see, I told you you weren't going to read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I, it's an ongoing joke, even on uh, some podcasts that I don't know how to read. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not a big reader. I don't read I don't read a lot of novels like I just I um you know, it's one of those things i mean you just always hear such mixed things again of like adapting and people being disappointed mm-hmm. and i i love using my imagination but just when reading a novelization and then you know at least in my case i try to then put like an actor's face to it but not even for their face but their voice because when you're reading lines like i want to hear, hear yourself yeah i want to hear myself <laughs> i want to hear I don't know, to understand that character better. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I mean, sometimes have you ever watched a movie and thought that like, Oh, so-and-so would have been perfect in that role. And then you read a little bit about it and they actually wanted that person, but oh, yeah. couldn't get them. So they had to get somebody that sort of was like them. Oh yeah, I for sure. That. I mean, you know, some movies, yeah, are like characters are written in mind with, you know, yeah, with you know that with that actor, or even like in comics, like in modern times with the with the MCU, or just with with actually with Marvel comics, like the before there was the MCU and Iron, you know, Iron Man, the latest version of Nick Fury was drawn as if Samuel L. Jackson Jackson was playing him. And, oh, then, and then when the movie came around, they were like, well, let's offer it to him. And since he's in everything, he accepted. Uh, <laughs> I think it you, can't say, you can't drop an F-bomb. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can, but then they, they as, have they, as they've done, they cut right before you say it. In yeah. The movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, then there you go. It's almost funnier to not hear it. That's 
comedic timing it's everything yeah we're really cracking yeah. the code here <laughs> <laughs> we've gone pretty deep here today yeah i'm just really trying to think of um i'm you know i put little you know well i have a bunch of notes but i just always put like asterisks next to things that i really want to talk about um what about the uh the end um you know we you, you kind of talked about the the good day sir and the oh the half of a hat or oh like, yeah yeah the room so uh everything's cut thing, in half yeah so that i read was the director's decision so i know for sure this isn't in the book he was like how can we make this movie where it's filled with wonderment this whole time and then the last scene not ex- not including the elevator you know flying away because that's pretty magical but like mm-hmm. just like one of the last scenes is in like a boring looking office room so they uh, yeah. decided to chop everything in half which is kind of which is perfect it's yeah. awesome. I would love to have like that would be a great like if I made like a themed bar or restaurant like, like that a pop would be up. yeah pop ups of some kind that would be really fun. But um, that is a cool idea. Well, don't take it. Don't steal, it, Dave. God damn it. No, it would be a collaboration. <laughs> oh, collaboration. There we go. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like just at the end was the end of the tour. And Willy Wonka's just like, oh, I'd walk you out, but I've got things to do. And then, you know, Grandpa Joe and Charlie are just like looking at one another like, um, so like what's it. going What's going on? And Grandpa Joe walks in and confronts him and calls him, you know, like a crook and a thief. And that's like what what triggers Willy Wonka. And he says the whole thing of the contract and how the fizzy lifting water and everything mm-hmm. like that. And Charlie's deeply upset. And then he takes the everlasting gobstopper, puts it out and just my boy my sweet dear boy like you won you did it like i believed in you and you're just rewarded i mean just the way he even says uh in the elevator of did you hear you do you know the story of the man who got everything he lived happily, lived happily ever. ever after exactly yep. and so just that beauty of it that this is such a optimistic movie yes it has the cautionary tales and if you make wrong decisions but you know like these things can happen uh, you right know, you can end up in an incinerator or turn into a blueberry uh, but <laughs> or, if, or be shrunk exactly uh but yeah but there's also to add to that there's also like you can make a decision but you can also turn that decision around yeah, still Charlie did. I mean, was it Grandpa Joe that was like, let's drink some fizzy lifting water? And Charlie, you know, could have Well, said. I think he was in cahoots with, with Mr. Wonka, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know Well, conspiracy aside, <laughs> uh, you know, Charlie could have said, like, no, Grandpa, I don't think that's the right thing. Uh, you know, Charlie definitely is, like, mature for his age, and he's out there doing his paper route and, you know, bringing home some coins for and bread and chocolate for his family. But, um, but yeah, so no, he's still no chocolate. in that... Yeah, no, yeah, no, it doesn't. He didn't bring any chocolate. That's yeah, true. Yeah, um, so he doesn't deserve anything. But no, like, so in that moment, he could have been spiteful. He knows that, like, you know, Slugworth holds up that pile of cash, and we know that's going to change his family's life forever. But he takes that everlasting gobstopper and puts mm-hmm. it on the desk, and yeah. which I mean, I guess he would have never gotten the money because that guy wasn't even the real Slugworth. So right, yeah, um, yeah. No, I. I, I forgot he was Slugworth was in the room at the very end too. Yeah. He comes, and that was the big like, reveal. Yeah. That yeah. Was, it's pretty great. Did, did I write down? He hasn't, I feel like he calls him Mr. Wilkinson. 
That's what, yeah. Oh. That's that's his assistant's name. So it's like Willy Wonka and uh, Mr. Wilkinson and the Oompa Loompas, you know, just yeah. in the hole. <laughs> that's, that's the whole staff? That's the whole staff. <laughs> what, um, I, so I know there was a book um, that came out, like Charlie and the Glass Elevator. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the part of, the original story those like those rights weren't rolled doll right no I, I i yeah so i think there's a separate book like a sequel or maybe there's even a few sequels like how there's multiple madeline books but um rolled doll was so upset again supposedly that he was like no i'm not giving any more rights of my stories to you guys yeah so i don't know what I that would... story would have been it's just like yeah it's charlie and the glass elevator i think it's called or something like that yeah because the i mean the physics of the elevator it goes up down left right diagonal yeah uh and then flies so, as well if you he's like i've never yeah. pressed this button just the wonderment everything gene wilder sells it and i am just like eating it up and like i wish i could have met that man because i think nothing would have like compared to like that that just looks like the most embracing like lovable hug he gives charlie charlie yeah. at the end like just the joy gene wilder just he seemed like I think he played Willy Wonka so well because he was a magical person. Yeah. That, yeah, no, that, and that comes through in his character a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost don't want to know what happened after because like the whole movie is this like entrance into this man's imagination and this crazy thing that he's built and to go further than that i feel like would almost ruin it to know like yeah where charlie ended up again you get to as a kid and that's why i loved about uh star wars was after return of the jedi for the longest time i was just using my imagination because i I didn't again i didn't read but (laughs) i didn't read i i I wasn't reading those novelizations or whatever that came out afterwards but still but in the movie sense it's just like you used your imagination what other adventures luke skywalker princess leia and han solo were going on so in this case you get to imagine what will charlie do how will he make the world a better place how his family's life will change what kind of candy he'll create like is willy wonka retiring and charlie's just taking over or is he is he now going into like a mentorship <laughs> yeah or is he gonna be like my uncle and like come in like once a week yeah is he gonna marry my micromanaging? mom he's already like a paternal <laughs> figure you know like a father figure i mean it could, it could go in so many different directions right? or maybe him and slugworth are partners i don't know we don't know <laughs> i mean it's, or wilkinson it was, i should say it's wilkinson well it was right after the 60s yeah yeah i don't know we're different time entirely <laughs> in this in this mythical land oh well any, anything else uh anything else you want to say i mean i feel like i keep could keep talking about Willy wonka but we touched on a lot of a lot of stuff looking at my notes th- the, the musical element the characters the humor the mystery i think that uh you know this this movie whether you're seeing it for the first time um, as a kid now or mm-hmm. seeing it when we saw it for the first time like this is one of those films that will just be timeless yeah. forever yeah um even if you have it on laser disc <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah. like the uh i we were showing my niece and nephew saved by the bell and she was like is this an old show and my niece said that and 
you know, we're like, well, she still has Morris pick out the huge cell phone. phone. (laughs) Yeah. But like, you know, something like that, like, you know, it's, it's a classic, but it sort of stays in its time. Even, even Star Wars, like that's, you know, the technology, like that, cause that movie with the action that happens in that, it, you know, it's not nearly, it's obviously it's dated in its looks because of the technology at the time. It's dated in the sense of how it's cut, like just seeing, I mean, Jurassic Park, I think Jurassic Park holds up perfectly yeah uh you know of course yeah a little bit with the cgi but i think the blend of the practical effects and the cgi is way better than the newer ones but then you you watch like the first jurassic world and i just i i was just so turned off because it just to me felt like um I don't know. I feel like there's this turning point in like blockbusters, like when like Transformers came out. I know there was CGI. I mean, uh, you know, George Lucas shooting all of Revenge of the Sith blue screen, but just like so much CGI over the top, over the top action and everything like that. Like blockbusters, you know, Jaws, the original blockbuster and then Star Wars. And then with Jurassic Park, like you didn't have to have crazy action, but then Jurassic World comes and it's just like helicopter machine gun. And it's just like so fucking crazy. There's this this crazy bar to compare it to of what's a blockbuster today and what used to be a blockbuster. But with a story like Willy Wonka, you don't have that burden. So that that helps to its timeless character. Do you feel like kind of i mean working in production even though like i haven't worked on a film like that but do you feel like just knowing sort of the ins and outs of production a little bit more has jaded you with certain films like newer newer films um yeah i mean i just i always said in general even while like studying film in school i compare it to um um if any kids are listening and maybe there are because it's a willy wonka episode uh (laughs) Uh, Santa is real, but when I was being told as a, as a, as a younger person, you know that Santa wasn't real, uh, and you know some people then then believe that. Um, but you should, if you want to believe in Santa, believe in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that the the comparison of Christmas morning for a child and Christmas morning for a parent—it's just two different types of magic. You get to the magic through the child's eyes and the magic yeah. experience of the child. So that's that's what production has become for me. That it's just a different kind of magic. Yeah. Oh, that I like that. That's yeah. a that's a nice approach. I will come yeah, with I, me, I, and you'll see <laughs> <laughs> a world of foodie film imagination. Uh, yeah, I I. I think like to go back to kind of the practical effects thing, I I think just now there's just so much over the top, like it, it just actors in front of a huge green screen yeah. and they just, there's no like interaction with like actual things. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes, it, I, and it takes away in general and you can, you can see it in the sense of that they're not interacting with it. And you know, there's just that believability when you're on, the actor gets to work off of the, it's like working off another actor when you have when you're doing your alternate takes and you just see that back of an actor's head there's some actors that are like i'm gonna get out of here i don't need to be here around for this but there are other ones that are just like so into it for the craft that even if it's not yeah. the you know the va- vanity goes aside and they're just like no i want you to be able to play off of me right now and the same thing is to be said about like a tangible set or tangible props yeah and that that's what that's what comes through and like i mean that's why i think certain movies and actors do well and you know 
they have there's longevity yeah. because there's more care put into it. I mean, at the end of the day, like you gotta you gotta put out a, a good product and you've gotta be proud of what you're doing. And I feel like everybody on that on Willy Wonka oh. is very proud of what they what they created. As they should be. Know? They they accomplished just a a world beloved film. So Yeah. Man, this 100%. Was, yeah, for sure. This this was this was fun. I'm very I was very excited uh to talk this film and thanks for talking yeah, with man. me. Well, thank you for for bringing me back and um anytime you 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 need somebody, I'm here. Oh yeah. Well, we're not we're not done just yet, Dave. Uh want to want to talk a quick little foodie scene from a non-food driven movie and when I was looking up, I was like, "Ah, oh, let's see, you know, we got we're talking candy and famous candy scene." Now, I I uh I I've said before I, I feel like I need a a foodie historian for the podcast. I should have kept better better track <laughs> of these food scenes I've discussed, but it's such a famous one that I, that's why I'm not remembering if I've talked about it yet or not, but life is like a box of chocolates from Forrest Gump. Never know what you're going to get. Exactly. Like, I mean, talk about the, the, we've got some great themes and lessons from Willy Wonka. I mean, you're starting off a movie and talk about a character that goes on the ultimate journey and just mm-hmm. what, what that line means to the rest of the film. Uh, yeah. You, you never know what you're going to get. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect and- metaphor. I think in today's uh, world right now, you especially don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more true than ever. Um, yeah. It, I feel like if you took that line and just put it as a graphic on a black screen at the front of Willy Wonka, having it like not have anything to do with Forrest Gump, it mm-hmm. still applies. Oh, for sure. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's uh, I mean, that's just such a great film in itself. That movie tripped me out seeing it as a kid and seeing like, the um the like i guess it would be cgi where he's like with elvis oh yeah like, like all like, the, like yeah mixing richard nixon the, yeah or john lennon on the you know if you could imagine uh you know <laughs> yeah like that that blew my mind yeah not knowing how that was done at the time but um that was how early it wasn't like super early in Tom Hanks' career, but no, like, but it was still early. That was his, well, that was his second Oscar because he won the year before for Philadelphia, right? So, but it was yeah, that was. I mean, Philadelphia <laughs> was the big turn, and he won Best Actor, and then goes back to back with that and Forrest Gump, and then after that, then you get like Saving Private Ryan. So yeah, that, that I mean, that was a real turn in his career for sure. Yeah. And yeah, if anyone wants to learn more about Tom Hanks, you should check out uh, Hanks for the Memories, a podcast on the Cage Club Podcast Network. Love that. Yeah. Hanks for the Memories. That's that's awesome. Uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Oh, the the other half of the food reference in that film is Bubba Gump. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I have a... Uh, I even have a Bubba Gump hat from uh, the one in Times Square. I've never eaten at it. I just wanted to buy the hat, and I saw the hat. <laughs> or is it Lieutenant Dan ice cream when they're in the hospital? Yeah, there's some good, there's some good food moments in in uh, Forrest Gump. I had a, uh, a a friend in high school who looked exactly like Gary Sinise. <laughs> yeah, post po- post like dur- you know during the war or after the war. After. Oh, wow. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, Things he looks like gritty. A... <laughs> it was a rough time. Yeah, he was auditioning uh, for Jesus Christ Superstar. 
What did, Gary Sinise hasn't done anything in a while. He just uh, he's he's like the voice of the army, right? Is he? I think so. He does a lot with the veterans. So oh, yeah. okay. But yeah, it's that's and he has a given... few a few products. Yeah, yeah. Like that's a few, fitting given his roles, but films, films yeah, productions, <laughs> productions. Yeah, that's why productions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just for the record, I have eaten at Bubba Gums a couple times. Oh wow! And it's it's. It's pretty good. Oh, okay. That's good. I mean, there's not yeah. many of them, so I would hope that, you know, it's not... I, I mean, you know, you, uh, as much as, you know, always always support local and stuff like that, but when it comes to chains, you, most of the time you, you have to, you know, give it to them on cons- consistency. Consistency, least, yeah. You know, so I'd hope yeah. that that would be good in that chance because I can't imagine there's that many of them. No, I know the, you know, the only like one Olive I've been Garden, to, you know. no, <laughs> consistently not great. Feeds I, millions though, bread, unlimited breadstick <sighs> soups and salads, you know? I know it's, well, it ta- it tastes good, but it's, it's one of those, I'll, I'll call it the Taco Bell effects where I re- would regret it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. In but, my case, it would just be like a, just all the Italian by me. It's just like, why, why did I just do that? <laughs> you don't you don't have great italian on the east coast or is it just in like where your area do or don't you you do have great italian oh yeah tremendous italian. okay yeah yeah oh yeah yeah that's okay i, I was saying it would be such a shit like i go to olive garden and it's just like why oh, did i just do this like i've got because you have good, so many yeah. other options it's like why would i eat like i really i've never i can count on two hands at most and this is including college years how many times i've had like Domino's or pizza hut because yeah there's just always so pizza there yeah yeah great pizza. pizza yeah yeah man i'm jealous well when i'm when i make it out there <laughs> you'll have to give me a food tour oh yeah for sure man all I'm, your all your favorite spots yeah hopefully i'll be there was that wedding i i'm sure i probably brought it up uh first time having you on i was supposed to be out in la for uh a wedding last oh, yeah. april and i think it's now going to be this may that's what they're trying for so we'll see but definitely yeah. obviously whenever i get out there i'm for sure hitting you up and we'll oh 100 we'll, 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 we'll have a meal together we'll, um, we'll go we'll go maybe someplace we've both wanted to go that we yeah. haven't been we'll find you a good sandwich place <laughs> God, I'm, I'm on the hunt man for now it's just it's just uh it's all in my in my imagination <laughs> well, last but not least, I've got a one question versus the round of gut instinct questions that I have for first time guests, second time guests. I've got one question, and that is: this person could be from any point in time, whenever, whoever. Dream dinner guest. Hmm. Who you want to share a meal with? Have a one-on-one conversation with. Man. I would have to say, uh, I mean, kind of going back to the the Rat Pack, I had a couple people in my head, um, but if I'm only allowed one, Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. Oh, that's life. I mean, that's a that's a good one. <laughs> hey, Jersey City born, Hoboken raised. That's right by me. There's so many. Yeah, like, his poster, not just the the. Uh, you always see the. Uh, oh God, what's a mugshot? The mugshot. One. Yeah. Um, but there's so many, I think there's a place on the Hudson in Hoboken called blue eyes, um, restaurant That's awesome. and yeah, just, you know, Sinatra stuff everywhere. So, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I, 
either earlier in his his life and career or later like he just so many stories and the people he was connected to yeah. and just the vegas but, stuff and like all the stories oh. that come from that i always i always love my favorite way of hearing stories about frank sinatra was always like when don rickles was either on like the late night show with him or just on the late night show or talking to whoever and because that was one person that i felt like knew him really well and could just get him in stitches and just had a great relationship and so just had so many great stories yeah yeah he um he was also like a really he was just a really interesting dude like he was a really good painter oh Um, didn't know that he had two compounds in um in palm springs and this this one um was we were gonna look at one for our wedding venue but it was like way too expensive Um, as you could imagine imagine. (laughs) like we didn't once we found out we're like ah we're not even gonna look like we're not gonna waste these people's time but um that was the first house he bought in Palm Springs. Then he has another place that is like a compound and he's had all these like, like train cars. Like, Oh, that's cool. And there was one that was like a barbershop. And, um, my, my mother and father-in-law actually got to go and check it out because they knew a realtor who was repping the place. Oh. So, um, but I think it's like all been preserved. His original artwork is everywhere. And that's awesome. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I would have loved to have gone to like old Vegas at, oh, yeah. in that time. Yeah, I would it's love just yeah, so different now. Old Vegas, like those shows, I would have loved to have seen like Elvis right at the end, just like oh my god, yeah, fat and singing his heart out. Just <laughs> have just, you been to Graceland? Yes, and I cried. I really, I, I genuinely like Elvis is still a big part of my life, but like early on, like I loved Elvis. Like that was my first like music like love. Like Elvis, everything, and I eventually I got to go when I did a cross-country road trip like five six years ago and i didn't know he was buried there so all of a sudden at the end of the tour i'm at his gravesite and i'm just like looking at my friend and i'm weeping (laughs) (laughs) it's just such a i mean it's just such a tragic story and just i mean this guy was just i mean you know say what you want to say origins of rock and roll and like his part and obviously taking you know black music and but mm-hmm. I, I try to look at the positive being i'll go the willy wonka way of an uh, optimist and say like he was introducing that music to a you know broader audience for maybe people that were you know closed-minded or just not listening to black stations you know yeah. I, don't, I don't know but point being uh, he took music and uh, just made amazing music. Only won two Grammys. Won it for his gospel music, which is pretty crazy. Um, wow! But I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I know the the Beatles and Fleetwood Mac. Both of their first albums were all covers of. Uh, oh yeah. I know for for sure the Beatles, but it was all covers of of black artists and. Okay like prior to stevie nicks joining the band fleetwood mac was like a blues band like yeah. they only they only played played blues stuff and like heavily influenced from like music that was coming out of the south oh yeah know? well f- listen to the rolling stones that's all muddy waters yeah. and everything like that like the beatles were obviously inspired by black musicians but they're even more so inspired by elvis who obviously then by you know the transfer properties was inspired by black musicians but like that always like beatles or rolling stones rolling stones is just such like bluesy uh yeah. more rock and roll that i just feel like mick jagger's trying to you know go for certain sound versus just like singing in his own voice like trying to emulate something more than uh other musicians and just being him yeah but be yourself mick 
McBee. God damn it, McBee yourself. <laughs> uh, well, Dave, thank you again for coming on. Uh, please, right now, tell the foodies uh, where they can find you. And I know you were talking about a new podcast that you're going to be doing. Yeah, so um, uh, you can check out some video work on YouTube, uh, BCD Entertainment, it's Big City Dreams, or bcdentertainment.com. Um, and my wife and I are starting up a podcast called crime and marriage. And we're going to be talking about some local, um, things that have happened around here that, Oh, that's uh, good. I was actually, nervous for a second. It was like about your guys's crimes and uh, all and of marriage. our, our Bonnie and Clyde <laughs> adventures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all those liquor stores we held up last year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to be doing that in, um, it, it originally was we're trying to focus just solely on this show that just started last week called the real murders of orange county okay but um we're gonna kind of we're switching the format up a little bit to allow us to be able to explore some things that aren't necessarily solved because all the cases on the show so far have been solved oh, okay but yeah. what's interesting as with anything when you dive a little deeper there's some stuff that wasn't mentioned that sort of is like oh well yeah, it kind of changes the trajectory of, of the yeah. story a little bit. So um, that'll be coming out soon. Uh, Crime and Marriage will be uh, on Spotify and probably solely Spotify for uh, for the time being, just to kind of explore that platform a little bit. But um, yeah, other than that, just Instagram at DaveDBCD, cooking and putting stuff out there and making content. And uh, hope to do this again with you, man. Cool, man. Yeah, definitely have you back on in the near future. And uh, well, until next time, uh, if you don't remember, we have a little catchphrase to end every episode. It's there's more to cut. So if you don't uh, mind reminding the foodies out there that there's more to cut. Hey, just so you know, there's more to cut. Oh, what a pro. You should have your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I might explore that. (laughs) Yummy, yummy.